Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you, as utmost important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified wrongly about the God that is raised up, Christ, who he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sentence. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as if in Christ has been raised from the dead of the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. For God has put everything under his feet. Now when it says everything is put under him, it is obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subject to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. What a cool video that was to be able to... Um, have our scripture reading for the morning read by families from our church. What a blessing it was just from, from my end to get to compile those videos and put them together. And I hope that was a blessing to you as well. And we'll, we'll take that video, we'll share that on our Facebook page um, at, uh, this afternoon once, once the service is over. I wanted to wait and, and premiere that uh, during, during our Easter service this morning. So we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As we look at um, the, how, how the resurrection, the, the truth of the resurrection changes everything. 
And we're going to see how, how our entire faith rests on this reality. Where if, if this is not true, if, if the resurrection is not true, then, then Paul would say we are uh, above all men to be pitied. So maybe you're watching this morning and you're just a little bit skeptical about, you know, this whole Jesus rising from the dead thing. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. It's unusual, right? It's abnormal to be able to claim that, that someone rose from the dead. Uh, because certainly in our experience, that, that doesn't happen. And yet I would challenge you this morning to consider the implications if it's true. The whole reason that we gather, the, the whole reason that we, we place such a priority on continuing to, to meet together in whatever ways we can, whether that's uh, some friends that I know that are doing drive-in church or, or streaming this way, the, the reason that we put so much emphasis on that is, is not because we need the income, not, not because we want to make ourselves look good, but because we believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross in our place, rose from the dead. And now we, as the people of God, have the joy of gathering weekly to proclaim this glorious truth that Jesus is alive. And so especially on this Sunday morning, as we gather to observe this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, it's, listen, the, the truth of the gospel is, is true every Sunday of the year. It doesn't become more true on, on Easter. But I think there is a, a, a sense in which we, we become more aware of it as we celebrate this weekend of what was the traditional Jewish Passover. And our understanding that Jesus is that perfect, spotless lamb came to, who came to be the sacrifice for us. And so this morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 28. The, the verses that we just uh, heard read on, on, on that video. We're going to look at the truth and the weight of the resurrection. And how, if that's true, how it changes everything else. So I, we're going to divide this up into three sections this morning. The first one we're going to go verses 1 through 11. What we're going to see in these verses is simply the reliability of the resurrection. Again, as I said, it's, it's abnormal to, to believe that, that a man died a, a violent death. One of the most excruciating, um, certainly, forms of execution that, that has ever been in history. And that three days later, he rose from the dead. Certainly, pe people have said that Christians are crazy for believing that. And that would be true, that would be correct, if it's not true. And yet in verses 1 through 11 in 1 Corinthians 15, we have uh, Paul laying out some proofs of the resurrection. Now, now keep in mind, if, if you're a skeptic here this morning and you're, you're really wondering, you know, how on earth is, is this possible? Uh, let me, let me tell, tell you that you are in good company in the person of Paul, who is also a skeptic. Who was not a follower of Christ during Jesus's earthly life. In fact, was, uh, the, the Bible tells us that Paul was actually an opponent, a staunch opponent of the message of the gospel to the point that he was arresting and imprisoning 
followers of the way, which is what Christians were first called. And even condemning them to death and, and believing that he was on God's side in doing so. If you're curious to read about Paul's testimony in, in the book of Acts chapter 9, we, we have the account of Paul being dramatically saved by a message from Jesus Christ himself, from the resurrected Lord. From there, he goes on to become the most, I think, the single most important voice in the history of Christianity. And so much about our understanding of who Jesus is and, and what he did and, and the, the weight of his resurrection and how that plays out in our lives comes from the Apostle Paul. So this man who was once a skeptic came to believe that Jesus was the risen Savior. And this is what he tells us about the, the reliability of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says this, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim and so you have believed. As I said, Paul was not a follower of Christ during Jesus' earthly life. He, he encountered the risen Lord later on. And so much of what he learned about the, the message of the gospel came from the, the apostles. And so he says, what, what um, I want to pass on to you, what I received. And then in verse 3, we, we have what was probably an early hymn or maybe even an early creed of the church. And Paul's passing on this, this declaration that the first church had concerning the, the resurrection. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ was sent for your sins and for my sins. That he was buried. Scripture is very clear. Jesus was dead. As dead as any person has ever been dead. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and the tomb was sealed up. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. See, one of the theories that, that has been put forth by skeptics regarding the, the resurrection is that uh, people just hallucinated. They thought they saw Jesus. And yet here we have Paul uh, giving several instances of Jesus appearing to people. 
He appeared to Cephas, that would be Peter. And then he appeared to the twelve. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. Paul, at the time Paul's writing this to the Corinthians in, in, in the 60s AD, the, he says, listen, most of these people to whom Christ appeared are still alive. Some of them have fallen asleep, but most of them are still alive. And the implication there is you can go ask them. You can ask these people what they saw. Even in the New Testament, and at the end of the Gospels, we have multiple instances of Jesus appearing. So it wasn't just a one-time thing that the people thought they, they saw this, this resurrected Lord and convinced the others around them that that's really what they saw. But Jesus appears multiple times to different groups of people. I also find it interesting that the apostles are so convinced Jesus' disciples are so convinced that he was raised from the dead that these men who all except uh, the, the, the apostle John fled on the night that Jesus was arrested. John is the only disciple that we're told was, was at the cross as Jesus was being crucified. The, the rest of the disciples are scattered for their lives thinking that they're next. And these men, to a man, will suffer persecution, intense persecution, whippings, beatings. And all except John will end up being martyred for their faith by being beheaded, being impaled with swords, being stoned to death. In Peter's case, being crucified upside down. In John's case, he was boiled in oil and he survived and, and really freaked the Roman authorities out because they were pretty good at executing people and boiling people in oil was usually effective. So John survives that and is um, scarred and, and disfigured. He's exiled to the island of Patmos where he receives the revelation and, and records that book for us at the very end of the New Testament. Folks, listen, there, there are a number of resources I could, I could point you to. The, the resurrection of Christ is, I believe, the single most attested to event in all of human history. And if there is any historical event on which we have um, documents and eyewitness accounts to, uh, to rely on, the resurrection stands up against any other historical event. We have good reason to believe that the tomb was empty and that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Again, if you're, if you're curious, you can, you're welcome to email me. Just put in that. If you're on our website in the form at the bottom of the page, uh, there on the, the prayer requests or notes, just, just put in there, hey, I'd like, I'd like a list of some books uh, that I can research to, to read a little bit more about the, the historical reliability of the resurrection. I would love nothing more than be able to share those with you. So listen, uh, but, but I firmly believe this morning that, that this is true, standing with the Apostle Paul declaring that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead just like he said he would be. 
And if that's true, it changes everything. So, okay, maybe, maybe you're watching here and saying, all right, great. So, so Jesus was a man. He lived. He died. He, he was maybe even, even resurrected. What difference does that make in, in my life? Well, we're going to get to that. Or, or some, some have even said, does, is it really that important that Jesus was raised from the dead? If we follow his teachings, um, doesn't that, isn't that enough? Does it matter that, that his body is not in a grave somewhere outside of Jerusalem? And that's where Paul goes next. And he's going to share with us the relevance of the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection. Beginning in verse 12, he says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as, risen, as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Don't miss that. He says our faith is in vain if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. See, I've heard some believers through the years claim, I think a little arrogantly, that, um, well, if, even if Christianity is not true, I have nothing to lose by following Jesus. And so it's almost, a, listen, if, if it's false, then or if, if Christianity is true and, and I don't believe it, then I have everything to, to lose. But if, if it's false, if Christianity is false, and I, don't be, and, I, and I choose to believe anyway, there's really nothing for me to lose. So I'm, I'm just going to hedge my bets and believe that, that Jesus was the Messiah because that's the best way to live. To which Paul would say, absolute nonsense. Because he says here that, that if, if the resurrection is not true, our faith is in vain. He says our, we are still in our sins. We are actually liars because we, we declare that God has raised up Jesus, whom he didn't raise. And then in verse 19, he says, we are the biggest fools who have ever lived. If this isn't true. This is the weight of, of what we deal with. Every Sunday when we gather, this is, this is the weight of the message we proclaim. That either we're true or we're the biggest fools who have ever lived. Now, certainly there are those out there who would, who would choose the latter, who would declare anyone who, who has faith in God is a fool of fools. See, Paul, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, gave us a truth that I stand on every single Sunday when I, when I proclaim God's word. He said, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Friends, what will you believe today? Will you believe the eyewitness accounts that Jesus was crucified, 
that he, that he died the death that you deserve because of sin and rebellion against Almighty God. That he was raised on the third day, delivering those of us who would follow him, those of us who believe from the power of sin and death. Are you willing to be called a fool in the eyes of the world for believing that these things are true? As we've said in the last few weeks, you know, we're, we're living in really cer certainly in, in any of our lifetimes unprecedented days. One of the things Michelle and I have been uh, telling our children and trying to encourage them is to, to make some notes of, of what we're experiencing here because these will be stories that we tell our grandchildren and great-grandchildren that they'll pass on to their grandchildren. Much like previous generations talked about the Great Depression and experiencing World War II, I believe these are, these are stories that we're going to share for the rest of our lives. But one of the things that we're seeing here in these days is that idols are falling left and right. Things that we have trusted in. Things that we put our, if, if, I, if I can say so, things that we've put our faith in. Believing that these things will always be there. From big things like, like job security and 401ks and, and even our, our health. Down to trivial things which we as people tend to place a lot of importance on. Things like being able to go to a movie, being able to sit down in the, in the evening and enjoy a, a baseball or football or soccer or basketball or hockey game. Being able to go shopping for groceries as a family. Suddenly, all these things are falling around us. And, and I believe now, maybe more than ever in my lifetime, people are looking for answers, they're looking for hope, and they're looking for some sort of foundation to build their lives. As all these security blankets that we've used are being taken away left and right. Friends, hear me out. The, this message, the resurrection of Christ is the foundation. There is no other thing. There is no other message. There is no other truth on which to build your life than this. Because hear me out, even when everything else collapses, this remains firm. I've watched, maybe like many of you have, I've watched my, uh, my retirement accounts uh, look like a roller coaster. Um, and, and listen, that, that's, you know, I have a retirement account because I hope to be able to, to provide for my family when, when that time comes, when, you know, it's time, time to step out of the pulpit. And yet my identity is not in that thing. My, my hope, my security is not in that. My, my hope and my security is in Christ Jesus. And in these days, I think what we're finding out is for a lot of believers is our, maybe our faith is shaking a little bit. My, my prayer is that you would realize the th same thing that I'm realizing. And that is that at the end of the day, my hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There is no other foundation on which to build. So if this isn't true, then we are fools above all else, above all others. But if, if, if it's true, we have a firm foundation on which to stand that will never crumble. In verse 20 through, verses 22 through 28, Paul's going to talk about the reality of the resurrection. This truth, as, as he said back in, back in verse 3, excuse me, verse, uh, back in verse 1, so I pass on to you, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved. See, where Paul's about to go in, in verse 20 is, is the gospel for believers. This foundation on which we build our lives. See, the gospel is not just that thing that saved you when you were a kid or, or that, that caused you to, to walk the aisle, to, to pray a prayer, to hop in the baptistry. The gospel is the very thing in which we stand as believers. The gospel is the thing that shapes us and molds us into the image of Christ over the course of our lifetime. And this is where Paul goes in, in verse 20. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his first order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. For God has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything is put under, his, under him, it is obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subjected to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything through, to him, so that God may be all in all. Now Paul here kind of gives us a glimpse of, of what will happen in, in the end. When everything, all rulers, all powers, all authorities, all mayors and governors... And presidents and kings will be, their, their power will be abolished and Christ will reign supreme. And this is the hope that we have as believers. That Christ is now putting his enemies under his feet. We pray in these days. As we're reminded that we live in a fallen world, in a sin-sick world, as we see the enemy of sickness and death all around us, we're, we're reminded that that's not the end. One day all that will be abolished. As, as the Bible tells us in, in the book of Revelation, death will be no more. Be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
That's the reality of the resurrection. That's the guaranteed hope for those of us who are in Christ. That everything we experience in this life is temporary. The joy that we experience in this life is but a shadow of the joy that we'll experience in the presence of Christ. The pain and the sorrow that we experience is temporary. And one day that will be no more. So as I said at the beginning this morning, you have a choice. If you've been a believer for a, for a long time, if you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, you still have a choice. Am I going to put my hope in the things of this earth or am I going to have a living hope, as we sang about a few minutes ago, in the person and the power of Jesus Christ? See, verse 21, Paul reminds us of, of the, the reality of the world in which we live. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. See, the Bible declares that, that through our first parents, Adam and Eve, who rebelled against God and chose their own way, the, the Bible word for that is sin, that through them and, and their sin, that sin then passes on to everyone. So that we are all, we all come into this earth as sin-sick creatures, rebelling against God. And that sin leads to death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's our default state as, as human beings. That apart from Christ, there, there is no hope, there is no peace. Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 2 will say this, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. I say it's by grace we've been saved through faith. This is not our own doing. It's the work of God. God works in us. As we Come to faith in Christ. We repent of sin, which is a, a Bible word that simply means to turn away. Meaning I turn away from sin and I turn to Christ. And so doing, God changes my heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says he actually makes us a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We... we in, in Baptist life, we, we picture this through baptism where, where we go under the water. We say we've been buried with Christ. We identify with his death and we come out of the water raised to walk in a new life. Identifying with Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection. Declaring that truth publicly. I'm a follower of Christ. Friends, on this Resurrection morning, I'm curious if you've ever trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Though everything around us, as the hymn writer said, uh, though, though all around my hope, my, my hope gives way, 
He is all my hope and stay. Everything else that we might place our, our hope in is crumbling around us. Yet in the middle of that, Christ is our hope and stay. He is the anchor. If you're watching this stream this morning, you've never trusted in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Praying something like this. There's, there's no magic words here. This is just a, a prayer to, to give you some words to communicate with God. My life is broken. Lord, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. So the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, that just means to, to declare. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It tells us for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you're watching this morning and you just have some questions. If you're on our website, using the form at the, at the bottom of the page, you can, uh, you can put on there, you want to know a little bit more about following Christ. In the notes, you can just say, I, I, I've got questions, please, please give me a call, please email me. I would love to get in touch with you this week. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can send us a direct message to our, our church page and, and somebody will be in touch with you this week. Above all, church family, let us place our hope in Christ. Whether, whether you're doing that for the first time today or whether you've been a believer for 50 years, let us be reminded, let us be encouraged today so we saw the reliability, the historical reliability of the resurrection. The relevance that, that, that if Christ is not raised, then, then none of this matters. We may as well shut the live stream off and close the doors of the church and, and go play frisbee golf on a Saturday morning because none of this is, 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 is important. May as well sit at home this fall and watch the Cowboys lose on Sunday mornings because... That's more important than, than this, if, if, if it's not true. But, oh, friends, if it's true, nothing has ever been more important. Then we saw the, re the reality of the resurrection in our lives. Where Christ will put every enemy under his feet and the last enemy to be abolished is death because of the resurrection we have the hope that everything that we're experiencing right now is temporary that the pain and the sorrow in this life is temporary and the happiness and the joy that we experience is but a shadow of the happiness and joy that we'll experience in his presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the significance of this day. 
for the power of the cross that we sang about and, and reflected on Friday night. Jesus Christ in our place. Thank you for the joy of the resurrection this morning. We declare that death has been put to death. And now we await that final consummation of the coming of the kingdom of God. When Christ splits wide the sky, returns in glory, calls his people to himself. He puts sin and pain and death to death once for all. I pray that our eyes would be focused on you in these days. And even as we move past them into whatever normal is going to be for us, as, as life slowly begins to come back to some semblance of normal, I pray we wouldn't just rush into that. But that you would use this time to refine our trust in you. To take away those things that so easily distract us. And to zero in our hope on Christ Jesus. On the hope that we have in him. May we stand each and every day in this gospel truth that Jesus was buried, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and was raised on the third day. May you re refine us into the people you'd have us be. We ask all these things in the mighty power of Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I pray that you and your family have a wonderful Easter Sunday. Stay safe. If there's anything we can do for you, if you need groceries or just need some errands to, to be run, um, there, there are plenty of us that are, would love nothing more than to go and and run those errands for you. God bless you. May you experience the power of the risen Lord today. We'll see you next week.